This is a reading from the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 35 and 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give, him to, give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, it's nice to see all of you this morning. Merry Christmas. I will say some of you look absolutely wonderful. Uh, you may be like me where you're like, you have this one sweater in your closet and you're like, hey, buddy, today is your time to shine. And so I have that sweater on today. Some of you just dress nicely all the time. So that's you, There's, uh, that's you but that's me. And so, Merry Christmas. You all look wonderful. Uh, we're concluding our series, The Mothers of Jesus, today. Uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been highlighting all the women ancestors, the female ancestors of Jesus. And each mother of Jesus, quote-unquote, actually gives us a glimpse of the kind of people God and Jesus came to save. So we have Tamar, the neglected. Have you ever felt neglected? God and Jesus came to save you. Rahab, the sinner, that's all of us. We all have sin. God came to rescue, sent Jesus to rescue you. Ruth, the foreigner. Bathsheba, the sinned against. Have you ever been sinned against? Yeah. God came to rescue, sent Jesus to rescue you. And so today we have Mary, the unimpressive who responds willingly to the angel's announcement about the birth of Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. And we're given an example of how to respond to God's saving work in Jesus in Jesus' mother, Mary. And so what I want us to understand today is that God, God's saving work in Jesus awaits a response from every one of us. Every one of us were presented with the announcement of Jesus' birth. Today, if you're here, you're being presented with the announcement of Jesus' birth. If you're not here, your friends and family who don't attend church, every December 25th, they hear about Jesus' birth. And God's saying, how will you respond to that? Will you be wary? Meaning, are you very cautious? Or will you be willing? What's your response? Wary or willing? When we look at wary, early in Luke 1, Zechariah, whose, whose wife is Elizabeth, who's beyond the age of childbearing, like she can't have kids, she's too old, 
And when she heard the announcement that his, when he heard the announcement that his wife would bear a son named John, Zechariah was wary. So if you look at verse 18 of Luke 1, and Zechariah said to the angel, "How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years." Even though Zechariah knew his Bible. Zechariah is a priest. He knows his Bible. He knows what God says, and he knew what God has done in the past. Right, kids? You may remember this story, maybe from Liberty Kids, about Abraham and Sarah, right? They're old, but God gives them a baby anyway. And Zechariah knows all about that. But because what the angel said didn't match up with what Zechariah already believed, he was wary. And because of his response, God took away his ability to speak until John was born. What is God asking of you? What is God commanding of you that you're wary to serve him? One form of wariness is skepticism. We live in a pretty skeptical world, don't we? We find it difficult to trust anyone, not just the Bible, anyone. And we go even so far to recommend it to each other. So one research company found that 63% of Americans say that it's ideally, ideally it's better if the public is skeptical rather than trusting of the news. We're now encouraging each other. Hey, it would be ideal if when you watch the news, you would be skeptical of it. And while, honestly, I probably wouldn't completely disagree with that, Because we've seen some news sources discredit themselves, our skepticism towards the news is actually indicative of a much larger problem in our culture. And it actually has taken over our hearts. We're skeptical of everyone and everything. And because we don't know who or what to believe, we respond skeptically. We're wary of everyone. More recently, you've maybe seen Christmas movies. Kids, maybe you watch Christmas movies. They talk about the true believer, right? Who's the true believer in a Christmas movie? The person who believes in Santa Claus, right? They're true believers, unlike everybody else. And we think that in a Christmas movie, that's fine, that's cute. We love that kind of stuff. But in real life, we, have to choose, we need to choose to be skeptical. We need to be wary of everyone and everything. And so what we do is we determine who or what to believe, not based on facts, not by holding up things to the objective truth, but we believe who or what most agrees with what we already believe. You hear me? And hey, parents, just so you know, I have kids too. I hear your children, but just like my own children, I'm just going to speak over them, okay? Don't worry about it. But don't we do that? We believe who or what already most agrees with what we already believe. Zechariah already believed that Elizabeth couldn't bear children. So when he heard the miracle of Jesus' birth, even though he knew what the Bible says, he doesn't hold up that announcement to the objective truth of Scripture, but he holds up against what he already believed was possible. So what could that be for you? What truth are you wary to believe because it doesn't match up with what you already believe? 
What you're saying is you're taking what you already believe and you're applying that to what God says. Rather than saying, God, you're the one who holds all truth. You're the God of truth. Apply that to my life and change me. Are there things God is asking you to do that you're wary to do because it doesn't make sense to you? Are you afraid of taking a risk for God? Are you afraid of stepping up? What does, the, what does the Bible claim that you can't bring yourself to believe because your heart's already been captured by skepticism? Is it to put your faith in Jesus? Is it to drop your cynicism and replace it with joy? Are there commands in the Bible that you just think are out of date? Oh, yeah, they believe that centuries and millennia ago, but we know, good 21st century people, we don't believe that kind of thing anymore. It got, the Bible's out of touch. So we refuse to believe them. And if you're skeptical or wary of anything that's not what you already believe, you'll never grow, you'll never change, and you'll become more stubborn and more skeptical and more cynical, and you could end up missing out on the wonderful things God has for you. So the question we are now left with as we move to Mary's story is, would Mary respond the same way as Zechariah? Or will her response be different? Mary's response is different. She's willing. Mary asks a question just like Zechariah. Look at verse 34. Zechariah's question, she asks a question. How will this be since I'm a virgin, she says. But notice, when the angel responds, when you heard Sir Lynn read that, the angel didn't respond by criticizing her. He doesn't punish her. Why? Because even in her questioning, her heart is still willing to serve and obey God. No good teacher gets upset at a student who's willing to do the work but just doesn't understand how to do it. Even if they have questions, the teacher can. They can tell if the student is willing so they respond differently to them as if they weren't. God, listen to me, God is not against you asking questions. The Psalms particularly are filled with David and God's people asking questions. He just asks you to remain willing to serve, obey, and trust him while you ask those questions. Ask the questions, sure, but remain willing. And in this way, Mary is the ideal disciple. She's unimpressive in the world's eyes. There's nothing she has here to offer She's poor. She's a virgin. She's not even married yet. But she trusts God and is willing to serve and obey him. So what does she say at the end of that passage we read? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Look, God isn't looking for you to be impressive. God isn't looking for you to have some great resume. He's not even asking you to be perfect before he uses you. God only uses the unimpressive. Because compared to God, the unimpressive are all that there are. All of us are unimpressive. God is simply looking for people to trust him. To be willing to serve him. To obey him. God's looking for willingness, not impressiveness.
and Mary's willing for a time. And we are too. But she and we are human. She messed up at times. She died, just like you and I die, and we mess up when we die. And so, as willing as we are, listen, God couldn't bank salvation on our willingness. Instead, God banks salvation on Mary's son, his son, Jesus' eternal willingness. We have temporal willingness for a time, for a period. It might be our whole lives. It might be for a period of time we're willing. God can't bank his salvation plan on us, so he had to bank it on someone else. And so God himself came and was, because Jesus is eternally willing. At Christmas, we're reminded that. At Christmas, you're reminded that Jesus was eternally willing to serve the Father. To, be, to leave the comfort of heaven. Jesus was eternally willing to be born to an unimpressive virgin in a manger, into poverty, to be despised and rejected by many, to go to the cross and die for your sin, for my sin, and to be raised to life. And listen, Jesus is still eternally willing now. Because what is Jesus eternally, what is he eternally willing to do? The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father where he serves you, where he prays for you, where he asks God to forgive you, to remember his grace for you until time comes for him to return. So will you respond to Jesus' eternal willingness with your own willingness? Maybe that's for you. That you need to trust God for the first time. Maybe you need to, maybe for you, it, you need to repent of your wariness. Maybe you need to repent of being skeptical. And we can't just say we're willing to serve God. We're willing to obey him. We have to show it. It's not enough for Mary to say, yeah, go ahead, that's cool. Check just the bare the Son of God. She actually has to deliver the Son of God, which I've never had to do personally myself. It looks scary. We have to show that we're willing. For you, that might be worshiping Him on Sundays. Like, maybe you need to get back into the routine of that. Maybe you need to start that routine for the first time. Maybe, you need to, maybe for you, it's getting closer to other Christians. We have things called home meetings here, these small groups. You can get involved and get closer with other Christians. Maybe that's what God's saying. Hey, I want you to get closer to other Christians. You've been holding back. I need you to step closer to other Christians. Maybe saying, I need you to read your Bible. Don't just say you're willing to do it. Oh, I'll get to that in the New Year. It's like, no, start today. Start tomorrow. You wake up Christmas morning. Wake up before everybody else. Or grab your family worship guide. Oh, God, I want to lead my family in worship more. I'm willing to do that. God says, show me. Start tomorrow. Grab the family worship guide that you were given and go through that with your family. Maybe God's just asking you, hey, just, could you just pray every day? Just give me a couple minutes every day to just pray. But trust me, he's saying. Even if it doesn't match up with what you already believe, trust me. So whatever that step might be for you, God's not just looking for people. 
He's just looking for people who've been changed by the eternal willingness of Jesus who will respond willingly to serve and obey him just like Mary. So why don't we pray and then we're going to stand and continue to sing.